Hey there, how's it going? Welcome to episode two of The Equilibrium. In this week's episode, James Leyland continues his chat with Harrison Kay and Hayley Winchcombe from Accenture. From finding worth in that 30 grand degree you're doing to what it takes to land a dream role at Accenture, the next 25 minutes will see you gaining that upper edge and laughing along the way. Without further ado, let's get into it. So in this day and age, people are very anxious about the degrees that they pick, especially considering a a lot of firms now sort of prioritizing soft skills amongst other things. Um, So does the theory you learn at uni, do you guys think, have any relevant application to your current day-to-day tasks? Uh, It's a good question. And yeah, like there is some relevant application for sure, you know, if you're going into consulting, you know, like for example, in my degree in law, no, I haven't, you know, gone and applied legal precedent or, or anything like that, but I've definitely applied, you know, the problem solving skills you learn in law and in finance. Uh, I guess, yeah, de- I've definitely used some of those, that skill set. But again, you know, I, I don't think I've ever dug up my old exercise books to find the formula on, you know, uh, econometrics. So, so I think it's, you know, quite, uh, quite different. I, th- I think the main thing to come out of university with is the ability to, to be a bit of a self-starter, um, the ability to get things done and to a good level um, and show commitment. But I think, like you said, to be honest, the main things you're looking to apply as in consulting anyway, are kind of those softer skills in like trying to understand how you can tackle a problem logically, um, you know, effectively. Can you, uh, <laughs> can you align boxes in PowerPoint? Can you uh, get on with stakeholders and, and hold a conversation and, uh, and can you, you know, try to write things in a really succinct, concise way? So I think, you know, you, you pick all that up on the job. So for those people that are freaking out, thinking that, you know, consulting something they want to jump into in the end goal and they don't know if their degree is right for it, just relax because, you know, there's, there's no one pathway to get there. Um, and what you're learning now is definitely going to be in some way relevant to the job in the future anyway. Fair enough. I would totally agree, except for the the old econometrics textbook. I did have to bust mine out on my last project, which was a really interesting project we did for a gig economy platform in the US. Um, and we were looking at their labor force retention over the last year. So looking um, during the COVID spike they had a massive uptick in workers who signed up to the gig platform and then obviously as as covid kind of the effects of it were largely abated with growing vaccine numbers in the u.s now up to over 50 percent um they kind of had a big drop off in their available workforce and we did some really interesting fix effects um linear regression modeling and also Um, hazard modelling to kind of show the effects of different labour market signals on the workforce available for this company. So we looked at things like um, number of COVID cases, wages in competing occupations, uh, number of job ads in related lower skill sectors. Um, yeah, some general like control variables that we could control for during the time period. Um, and basically we did have to do a lot of like deep economics work for that to prove causality, that kind of thing. And we had 
two professors on board as advisors to the project. So mm. Professor Greg Kaplan from University of Chicago and Jeff Boland from University of Melbourne. And, mm. you know, sitting in uh, sessions with them, showing them the scatter plots of your regression analysis, and they're kind of saying, oh, show me the show me this but state demeaned and time demeaned and show me this like this and I was definitely busting out my textbooks um, and using a fair bit of the theory I learned at uni so it does come in handy if you have spare electives I would say choose to do something like more technical like a stats unit or something like a computer science unit something useful because um, I've also had to do like coding in R coding in Python Mm. I'm from like a political science, French and Spanish background. So I really like was not setting myself up well at uni for this job, but I've um, <laughs> really enjoyed it so far. And I, I think it's, it is possible to learn outside your degree in your career. I would say for other people who might be trying to get into a job that they don't necessarily have the degree to fit in with the requirements for it. There are other ways to get around it. And I think things that really make you stand out are internships, mm. um, extra courses. Like I was doing this before I applied to Accenture, but there's like this free CS50 Harvard introduction to computer science course oh, online yeah. that anyone can do. Are you doing yeah, I, that? I've done it, yeah. Are you finished? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't finished. Let's not talk about it. But how cool is David J. Malum? Oh, <laughs> the absolute oh, goat. Yeah, um, legend. <laughs> uh, so you can do stuff like that. You can also, like, write your own blog or start your own website to, like, push yourself to to really be embedded in an, in an area that you might not have the academic background for and also demonstrate that in your CV or when you're applying to things that actually I have done this, I've been part of this consulting club, I've done this economic student society, I've done this internship, I've done this online course, like I have a broad range of skills and I am autodidactic, like I will teach myself the skills that I want to learn and I don't need someone standing over me to tell me to learn those kind of things. Mm. But just to confirm, don't sell your textbooks, right? Don't so well, you can get them online. Don't sell your textbooks, <laughs> sure, but sure. you can just look it up online. You'll be all right. <laughs> uh, moving on. So as a junior consultant or someone starting out, how far can you take your own ideas? I think uh, it's kind of like a balanced approach. But to be honest, I think you should always be looking to speak up where possible. Um, as like a junior person or an analyst on a project, you're typically the one that's like you're owning the research or you're actually doing the work, like you're getting really hands-on. So when you're on a call, whether it be a broader team call or with the client, you know, when someone's touching upon one of those topics that you're kind of owning, I think it's really important that you do speak up there because you're the owner of those figures and that data, you know, you know it best. Um, and, you know, a manager or a managing director or a senior manager, whoever's on it with you, they're going to appreciate that. Um, so, so I think, you know, where possible, definitely speak up, um, but just make sure it's on something that, you know, you're actually working on. Uh, otherwise, kind of listen, try absorb everything and, uh, and learn. I received some uh, critical feedback the other day <laughs> that you should always have three pieces of like three key takeaways or three pieces of insight that you want to talk about before if you're going into a meeting um, and like 
maybe you only have two if you only have two, but it's it's good to, you know, think about those before you go into a meeting. So then you can really do your new ideas justice um, rather than just sitting back and taking a listening approach. Because it is annoying if you're talking all the time and you're like the most junior and all your seniors will be looking at you like, <laughs> please talk less, listen more, like we'll give you the knowledge but I think it's really important to be out there from the first day from the first day of your internship or your job saying I've looked at this today these are the conclusions I've drawn from it these are the key takeaways this is how it's changing the answer this is like the main point I want to communicate to you as my client or as my manager or as my colleague like these are the essentials that you need to know from me right now and from what I've looked into. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think, you know, no, no two client problems are the exact same. So whilst these, you know, more senior stakeholders have, have done this thing before, uh, when you're getting into the detail, you know, you may be uh, better placed to say that actually, you know, the approach we're selecting might not be most suited because of, you know, ABC. So actually you need to do something different. Maybe because you're so deep in the data, you know that. Maybe because you're on a similar project and something went wrong and you've got a lesson learned. So, you know, consulting is never a copy-paste job. And as a result, you know, because you're the one in the data that really understands it, that's probably where you need to be voicing up and actually pitching ideas. Um, and, I, and I think you'd be surprised at how often uh, the, you know, more senior stakeholders are, are totally welcoming and, uh, and engaging in those discussions. And you can really change the direction of an entire project just, just based on those, those inputs. Mm. Sounds like junior consultants have, have quite a large amount of uh, feedback into the projects and that, Generally, absolutely are, are quite diverse as well um yeah how in, in approaching projects how how much do the approaches differ yeah so i think you know when you're quite junior you're quite hands-on so you're you know you're owning the excel model or, or you're owning building out certain slides um you're owning some research tasks uh, and the more senior you get the kind of less hands-on to the actual work and deliverable you get and the more you get into things like, you know, owning the stakeholder relations, always owning the discussions with the client, you know, owning maybe the overall storyline of the, of the PowerPoint deck or the Excel that you're trying to give. So I think uh, the junior levels, that's kind of your approach you have to get hands-on and the more senior levels, they're more about, you know, engaging with the stakeholders and ensuring that, uh, ensuring that effectively what we give them at the end is, is what they want and they're aligned to it and there's no surprises. So I think, yeah, it's really important when you're junior to really dive in and get to know your, your field and the industry you're in and the skills that you're doing. Now, this is a bit of a personal question. Do you guys stay up to date with the news? And if so, how does that, or do you see it uh, applying in your day-to-day -day consulting activities? I feel like a lot of people, myself included, have started trying to avoid the news this year. <laughs> <laughs> but I am... Um, I think staying up with the news is is really useful um, and it and it takes practice like if you're reading a newspaper article for the first time it's it's not going to be an easy thing you're not going to be able to quickly scan through it if you're not familiar with some of the backstory of of the article it's going to take you longer so doing a little bit every day is really important and it's so easy I'm just looking at my phone now at my news apps I have ABC News, Guardian, BBC, CNA um, which is Channel News Asia um, and then my Google News kind of app and you can set up 
Google News alerts for your particular topic when you're on a project. So right now I'm doing one on aviation mm. um, and sustainability. So just setting up some alerts for those words and then you can get the news on that topic each day. It's really, really useful, um, especially when a lot of what clients want is to be like looking into the future, anticipating trends, understanding where the attention of regulators is going, where the attention of the public is going, what's the sentiment around different issues, what are the big challenges that are driving problems. I think, yeah, having a, having a strong knowledge of what's going on um, is definitely important and it doesn't have to be that much. I mean, as long as you have notifications allowed for your apps on your phone, you're going to get mm. a trickle of news coming up on your phone every day that you can't avoid. Um, and then just yeah. like maybe replacing some of your Instagram or TikTok yeah. scrolling time with yeah. new scrolling time or <laughs> just following news websites on TikTok and Instagram. Oh. Ultimate hack. Like yeah. can stay updated easy. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm nowhere near as on the ball as Haley is with the news, but a life changer has been following all these all these uh, news outlets um, on, on your social media channels. So whether it be Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram, you know, getting through on those, you'll be surprised at how much it actually, you know, takes you in and how much you learn. The New York Times Instagram stories clickbaiting me every single day <laughs> yeah. and then you just you just open it and it gets you to the pay lock and I'm like no <laughs> <laughs> oh oh fair enough I mean these days chances are we're probably not going to be looking at the news when when we're in our future careers we're probably just gonna be pulling up Instagram looking at stories <laughs> looking at TikToks exactly oh um so we've touched on this earlier but we can just elaborate a bit further. So um, Accenture hires from a wide range of degree backgrounds, sorry. Um, How do they effectively manage conflict that could arise from like different perspectives, different schools of thought? They do hire from a a wide range of of degrees. I mean, I'm always working with people who have totally different degree backgrounds. Um, To me, as Harrison said before, we've got, engineers one of my colleagues that I've just been working with is used to be a philosophy major we've got people from computer science people from economics people from law um it's really diverse really interesting um I think often it's not so much a conflict that arises out of that Mm. but more of a a kind of friction where one person might like have a lot of knowledge about how to do something quickly in coding in Python or R or how to do an economics thing or how to do like a policy framework. And there might be another person on the project who doesn't have that knowledge. And it's really um, up to the people with the knowledge to upskill the people that don't have the knowledge to kind of get them up to speed and so that they can really contribute on that project and on their future projects as well. And I think that's something that Accenture does really well is promoting the kind of diffusion of ideas and knowledge across the team and making sure that we're having regular learning and development sessions where people share 
the approaches they took in their projects and you can kind of ask questions about why they use particular methodologies. I went to a really, <laughs> excuse me, um, I went to a really good one about a project that they use natural language processing um, to analyse thousands of tweets from tax experts to understand what the issues that tax experts are most concerned about uh, are and how they might kind of, how regulators might address those in future. And kind of hearing from other people's expertise is something that really enriches your own approach to projects and gives you the possibility to learn, which I know everyone is really interested in doing when they're working. Like it's not just you working all the time. It's also you feeding your brain and you feeling stimulated. Yeah. And I think it's important to call out, you know, it, it's uh, it's definitely not a conflict. It's more of a compliment, you know, like uh, the skills come from one another. Uh, it, it, companies like Accenture don't just hire from one degree purposefully, you know. they. I think it, there's a reason we, we're hiring from so many different backgrounds. Um, and it's because, you know, in a when you're talking about teamwork and you're talking about these projects, you welcome everyone else's perspective because things, you know, people catch things that uh, that others wouldn't. People have strengths and things and bring a different perspective. You know, you, you never want to be in a project where there's no debate or no disagreement because it's so easy to end up in a rabbit hole. And, you know, you never had someone challenging you or giving you a different you know, thought. I've been on a project where we were going and defining a go-to-market strategy and uh, myself and the manager sort of came from finance backgrounds. And so we we're being very to the point and, and very um, kind of like, you know, what's the next step? So uh, so it was quite kind of logical, of course, but we then had someone who was an engineering in mechatronics and, and he was up to date with the latest trends and he actually suggested something that would be, you know, a leap ahead instead of a step ahead. And we tested it with the client and uh, loved it. So, you know, it was um, a huge movement forwards. So I think, yeah, getting these different backgrounds, you can come to like a diverse range of thought and you should welcome it. You know, you should welcome the discussion and debate you, know, you should welcome someone playing devil's advocate and challenging the work because they've got a different viewpoint. Hmm. It, it sounds like conflict or at least uh, differing opinions can be really, really constructive. It just depends on how people interact with it. Yeah, absolutely. So long as you go about it the right way, don't make any yeah. enemies. It's, uh, it's valuable. <laughs> um, so we'll just go for the last stretch now. Um, do you guys want to talk a little bit about Accenture's internship opportunities or any graduate uh, potential opportunities floating around at the moment? Yeah, so I might take this one. Um, mm. Accenture does have an internship program and the best place to keep updated with that is on LinkedIn. So following Accenture and Accenture Australia and Accenture Strategy on LinkedIn. Um, and I think they have multiple intakes throughout the year so keep your eyes peeled our graduate recruitment is generally held around April um, so a lot of firms will hold their graduate recruitment in the first half of the year so make sure you're on the ball with kind of contacting your referees and making sure they're okay with you to put them down on a bunch of applications making sure that your CV is really tidy um, and that you've had at least three friends look over it for you or mentors and maybe your parents if you don't have any friends. Just kidding. <laughs> um, and then 
I would definitely get my parents to look over it because my mom's a stickler for details. She's like very details oriented, whereas I'm very not details oriented. Um, and I think uh, we also have a bunch of, of opportunities outreach throughout the year. And, and I know we're doing a number of um, collaborations with the UNSW Econ Society. So um, do connect with us at those opportunities as well to ask questions and, and make the most of, of our knowledge and time. Ooh. Do you have any specific questions on that, James? Um, within, well, how competitive do you think the internship and graduate opportunities are? Very. So <laughs> I think we had around a thousand applicants. I might be wrong, but to my memory, <laughs> it was a thousand applicants for our Accenture strategy grad program this year. And we took 40. Um, so it's very competitive. Um, you want to make sure you have put your best foot forward, like really like get that feedback from your friends, from your mentors, from anyone you know that works with the company, get them to review your application first um, and help you if you have interviews. So this year we did um, case study interviews with the applicants. Um, so make sure you practice those because I know I've done a few case study interviews in my time where I was not well prepared enough and it did not go well would not recommend it don't be like me practice yeah i think getting your foot in the door is tough you know you're, you're looking at we're looking at a thousand pieces of paper and, you know you can only interview so many so i think like really like how he said review your application but you know go one step further make it you know if, if it's accenture you're applying for why accenture you know why why do you want to work here you know, be passionate about it really do the research and figure out what makes Accenture special for you and that makes you a place you want to work at? You know, is there anyone in your contacts or, or your second contacts or third degree of contacts that, that works there that you can speak to, to to get some firsthand knowledge of what it's like to work here that you can then reference in your in your note you know, or in your resume or a cover letter? Exactly. Show you've done the work. Be like, I've reached yeah. out to a person who works <laughs> in this team and they said this and I think I'll be perfect for that. Yeah. Know, show you've done the work and you actually mm. keen about it. I know one of our recruiters said to me last year, they said, um, oh, this cover letter is too generic, scrap them. And I said, their CV is so good. And they said, no, scrap them. <laughs> so don't use your generic cover letter, personalize it. Yeah. And I mean, if you're referencing someone who said something, like try to find a better quote than Haley's tip on finding someone to eat lunch with. But, uh, but that's just an example of, you know, pulling out, pulling out some knowledge from someone in the discussion from Accenture and making it a bit more personal, even if it's just referencing this podcast. <laughs> Outside of being proactive with things, is there any sort of easy traps or easy uh, holes to fall in in the application process? Yeah, I think using your one. student email and then <laughs> not being a student anymore, but by the time like interviews roll around <laughs> and not getting the email, don't do that. Also, make sure your like personal email is actually professional. I used to have one that was okay. I'm not going to give out my personal email, but um, it had some funny numbers at the end. Um, that were my birthday. Um, but you know, 
it wasn't that professional. You need to put your first name, then your second name, and then at whatever server you use, just use a really professional email. Make sure your first name and last name is capitalized in the like account thing. So when you send an email to someone, it doesn't come up as all lowercase because I hate it when people email me and their name comes up as lowercase. Don't be like that. Um, I don't know if you have any other common traps. Harrison, I think there's so many yeah. you can fall into. There's whole yeah. realms of YouTube dedicated to job applications. Yeah. I like, um, is her name Linda Raynor? I'll look it up. You go. Yeah, I think uh, kind of like Haley mentioned, get someone to really review your work and, you know, check it before you submit. I had some friends who thought it was a smart idea just to create a, you know, a template cover letter or a template answer to questions. Um, and, you know, they'd have brackets like insert company name here or insert company values here. And, uh, and a couple of times, you know, they rushed through it. They were pretty lazy. Turns out they actually got turned down from all of them because in a lot of them, they forgot to replace the, the company name. Oh. So they'd see the CV and it would say, you know, I really want to work at insert company name here. Um, so that's probably a, probably a, a, a hole to avoid. Mm, mm. <laughs> Definitely. Oh. Yeah, ho- hopefully. Linda Rainier on YouTube, guys. Check her out. Yeah. She's got a lot of job advice tips. So rounding it off, um, from your experience, how does the role of a consulting intern differ from a graduate? So I've done a lot of internships and I think I probably did not like put in enough effort to those at the time because essentially when you're doing an internship you are being evaluated to get an offer to the firm even if you think it's not possible it actually is possible Mm. Um, and you should be like making time to meet the senior leaders um, putting yourself out there doing your best work you can um, at that intern level in our firm if we have interns they're literally doing the work that a the same work as a graduate they're making the same contributions everyone's viewed as being equally smart equally valid opinions so it's really your chance to shine Um, and I have worked with one of our interns while like being a graduate and I think they didn't really take the opportunity seriously enough and 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 didn't really put their all in so that would be my big takeaway fair enough um Well, last question, any other key pointers, general rules of thumb that you think are essential in a new role? Um, Probably, you know, we've covered a lot in this session, but I think like the main (laughs) takeaways should really just be, you know, be curious, be a self-starter and and be comfortable in the ambiguous. So, you know, just be comfortable not knowing or or knowing that there's a lot you don't know. and just trying to enjoy the experience. You're surrounded by so many amazing people with an incredible amount of, you know, diverse experience around you. Just So just try to soak it up as much as possible and enjoy it. And and remember, uh, you've, you've got friends that you had at uni as well. Don't forget them because you might need them to, you know, cheer you up after you've worked a, a lot of hours in a week or or get a coffee before your, your shift on Monday, you know. Um, I think it's really important to have your support networks around you, especially if um, you're moving to a new city or or you're in a field where you don't know anyone that you're working with. 
um, remember that your job doesn't define you um, and your your support network is really useful to remember that. Yeah, and of course, never eat lunch alone. <laughs> never eat lunch alone. I eat lunch alone all the time. I'm such a hypocrite. <laughs> do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> to be fair, you guys are working from home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got a point. It's hard, <laughs> but I could be Zooming someone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no worries. Thank you so much, guys, for the, for, for the interviews. Yeah, not a problem. It's been great. Good luck to all of you. Don't stress out too much. Just do internships and take them seriously. And that is a wrap on episode two of the Equilibrium. We hope you learned a thing or two and are reinvigorated in the pursuit of student success. Don't forget to follow our Spotify for new episode releases and check out Accenture's socials if what you just heard has piqued your interest. Until next time, goodbye.